0: a song of the summer and it's a study in the Psalms, but we've also been talking about our emotions because the Bible is full of emotions and so are we. So it's been a discussion about God's intention for our emotions and how we can use our emotions in a way which honors God. God understands us in our sadness. He understands us in our anger. He understands us in our joy. He understands us in our emotions of love and disgust, but all these emotions God created and all these emotions we can use to glorify Him. We all have emotions, but how do we use them from day to day? We need to stop going to worldly solutions for our emotions. And we need to go to God's Word for our emotions, to judge our emotions and to determine, is this something healthy to the body of Christ, healthy for the world of the lost who need to hear about Christ? Or is it something that glorifies God, or is it something that takes away glory from Him if there's such a thing? So as we look to the last couple weeks in this study in the Psalms, we're about to move out. We're going to look at, to Psalm 115 today. So please follow along with me as I read from Psalm 115. Now there's Bibles in the fuse in front of you. You're welcome to use your tablets or your phones as I say every week. Just refrain from texting your neighbor about where you're going for breakfast after this. I hope you'll stick around for Sunday school or where you're going for lunch. And let's just pay attention to God's word. So Psalm 115. Follow along in your Bibles. Not to us, Lord. Not to us. But to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people, Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise the Lord. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. If you did not do so yet, I welcome you to please grab a few Bible, bring out your cell phone, your tablet, and open up to Psalm 115 as we're going to be referencing it several times throughout the sermon this morning. But as we start out this morning, I just want to say this. Praiseworthy. God is praiseworthy. And that's the main theme of today is God is praiseworthy. You see, God is praiseworthy... And all glory will be and should be given to him. For he is opposite of the false gods of history and today. Because of this, we can trust him. That's the main theme from today and what you see in the scripture as we study it, as we look to it. That God is praiseworthy and all glory will be and should be given to him. For he is opposite of the false gods of history and today. Now I started out with just that statement that God is praiseworthy and should all praise should be given to him. But I had to change it to, all praise will be given to him. All glory will be given to him. Because whether we glorify him, whether we show him the praises due to him, he will be praised. He will be lifted high. All glory will be given to him. Just in creation itself, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But this great psalm is part of, or known as part of the Hallel. Psalms comprised from Psalm 113 to 118, which simply means praise. And these psalms, these praise psalms, were sung at such feasts as the Passover, such holidays as the Passover, the Pentecost, and Tabernacles. But most significantly, probably the Passover, which celebrated the Jews' deliverance from Egypt. And as we look to the psalms, you can kind of see some... Some symbolic reference to that day, to that time as well. It's actually believed that Jesus himself might have sung these psalms the day that, on the day that him and his disciples were in the upper room before he was betrayed that night. So it's kind of interesting to read this psalm once again and think that Jesus himself might have sung these psalms as part of a Passover celebration, Passover feast. Not to us, Lord. Not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. These psalms would show God to be praiseworthy for his mighty works, his mighty victory over Egypt and over Pharaoh's false gods. God is still victorious over all the false gods of this world today. He's still victorious over our lives and over our sin today. But sometimes we fail to show him the glory... The praise that is due to him. These psalms help them, and they continue to help us today to see that God alone is truly praiseworthy to the highest degree. As Psalm 115 again says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Now let me say this. This, this statement here, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, could be seen as a victorious chant, a victorious celebration, a victorious decree to those listening, but it also could be seen as a prayer, a humble prayer. And there's been some debate over the times, over the ages, of what exactly this is. As there's there's one crowd that wants to think that this is a humbling thing, as maybe Israel, God's people were being persecuted, or God was being taunted, God was being made fun of. Because of the lack of miracles like there was once before. And, and God was being put aside or put down by heathens, by non-believers. Or it can be that they use this to celebrate. I see that it could be both. But here's what I do see is this. As we think of it, and just as every Sunday I pray to myself, and I've told you to pray too, as we say, may God be glorified. May the saints be edified and may lost be found. It's kind of like that as we read this. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Isaiah 42, verse 8 says this. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. You see, God is to be glorified above all other things. And nothing else should be taking that place of God. And that includes us. To think that we think we deserve the praise, and we do. We do. Every day, we get upset at people because we think we want to be thanked, or look at all I did for this person, and they've never even thanked me. We're not deserving the praise anyways. God is truly the one deserving of the praise. Charles Spurgeon once said, If you meet with a system of theology which magnifies man, flee from it as far as you can. I thought that quote to be kind of powerful this week as I thought about this theme of God being praiseworthy because God is the one which leads people into the light of life. God is the one which leads people into a restored relationship with Him. We could never do that on our own. We can only do it through the grace of God and through Jesus Christ. But if people look to us, if people praise us as we're to praise God, we lead people astray. We let people down. But we live in a me-focused world, don't we? It's all about me. Everything revolves around me, me, me. My happiness, my wants, my pleasure, my desire. I must be lifted high. I'm sure you can think of at least one time where maybe that convicts you. We are always trying to do things which magnify our images in our minds in the sight of others. We want to magnify who we are. We want people to think good of us. And that's not that's not totally wrong as long as we still have the proper sight, the proper priorities that God is number one. I give you an an illustration here. At graduation ceremonies, there are several levels of honor bestowed to those who have done a good job in college. There's the cum laude, the magnum, magna cum laude, and the summa cum laude. Now, maybe some of you know those terms. I was actually educated a lot on these terms as we're looking for a youth pastor. And these youth pastors would put those terms on their resumes. Magna cum laude, cum laude, summa cum laude, to show how good they did in college, what recognitions they got, how they were praised at their graduation ceremonies. And I'll just say that wasn't me. I'll be honest with you. You look at my resume, I didn't put that on there because it wasn't me. I am amazed every single day how God continues to use me. In fact, how he considers continues to use you, each and every single one of you. Despite our shortcomings, despite our failures, despite our weaknesses, God wants to use us. How amazing is that? God doesn't care if you're perfect or if you struggle with this or that or this because God is God and He, where you are weak, He can make you strong because He knows He is to be praiseworthy. He is to be glorified and He wants to use you just like the birds of the air, just like the the mammals of the land, just like the oceans and the seas and the skies declare His name. God wants to use us to declare His name as well. Pastor Tony Evans says about this, in the realm of giving praise in relation to that cum laude, magna cum laude, and summa cum laude. In the realm of giving praise, there is high praise, there is higher praise, and there is highest praise. Now, Pastor Tony Evans says this. He says, your friends can get high praise. And some people who bless you or have been merciful to you may deserve a higher praise at times. But God is the only one who deserves a summa cum laude of the highest praise the highest distinction but sometimes that's not what is shown in our life sometimes we we highlight certain people we highlight certain things we highlight certain material possessions as being the praiseworthy things in our life instead of truly giving all glory to him this kind of praise should be reserved from for him and him only but due to our own selfish desires of the flesh, our own selfish natures, we need reminded of this. Now, let me point out, once again, He alone is praiseworthy, truly praiseworthy to this extent. And as you read Psalm 115, verse 1, which should be open in front of you, it says this Not to us, Lord. Not to us, Lord. Notice He says it twice. Twice. I think that's because we need reminded. We need to reminded that it's not to us, Lord, not to us, Lord, but to your name be the glory. And whether you proclaim this with a victorious chant, not to us, Lord, but to you be the glory, or whether you're saying this in a humble prayer to God, we need to remember that. We need to be reminded of that. Lord, not to me, not to me, but to you be the glory, to you be the glory, Psalm 96, verse 4, if you're taking notes, Psalm 96, 4 says this. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. Notice again, it doesn't say for great is the Lord and worthy of praise. It says for great is the Lord and most worthy. Most worthy. God is most worthy. Revelations 5, 12 says... Worthy is the Lamb, Revelation 5, 12 again. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Ephesians 2, verse 5, if you need another example on why God is praiseworthy. Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now, this sermon could have easily been hours and hours long. I know some of you would have loved that, right? Some of you would have critiqued me later on that. But um, I, I thought about Psalm 9 and Psalm 19 and Psalm 138. And there's so many others which are all about praising God and give us great illustrations on why God is to be given the glory. All of God's scripture is a great illustration of that. We can look at two great known psalms, like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And look, hey, there's a reason to to praise God. It's all reason to praise God on high above all things. But finally, we focus on Psalm 115, verse 1 today. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Because of your love and faithfulness and faithfulness. God is praiseworthy and glory will be given to him through all things because he is the opposite, opposite of the false gods of both history and today. One more verse here for you. Psalm 19 verse 1 tells us this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God must be, should be, and will be praised and if we're not praising him ourselves the very rocks will cry out to the glory of God. Some of the commentators on this psalm as I told you they don't see this as a victory chant, a victory psalm but to the contrary as a plea for God's help emerging from a time of distress and discouragement for Israel. Their their reasoning comes largely from verse 2 Saying, where is your God? Where is their God? As they're taunting Israel with this question. God at one time was known to have done all these miracles to save their, his people from Egypt and from Pharaoh's false gods. But now they're asking him, where is your God now? I see where this could go either way. It could be just a humbling statement. It could be a correcting statement to those people who are taunting them. Or it can be a celebratory psalm, but whatever you want to think it as, we can learn from it and we can see from it. That its dominant note is this. Trust in God. Trust in God. God has helped us in the past and he will help us in the future and therefore we must trust him. Trust him. God is praiseworthy and all glory will be and should be given to him for he is opposite of the false gods of history and today and therefore we trust him we see the psalm compares false gods to the one true God look down to your Bibles in front of you as we look to Psalm 115 verse 3 to 8 as we read this our God is in heaven he does whatever pleases him so that could be an answer to these people taunting God taunting God's people who are saying where is your God God's people are able to say, we know exactly where our God, our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him, because he is God, we didn't make him, we didn't create him like your false gods, and therefore he doesn't answer to us, we answer to him, but he goes on here, and he says, but their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands, they have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. I find that interesting as I was reading this. I thought, wow, people throughout the ages are pretty terrible at making their own gods, aren't they? You can't even create a god which can talk, which can think, which can smell. It says, they have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. They're pretty useless, aren't they? And then it says in verse 8 those who make them, those who make these false gods, will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. John MacArthur, in a quote regarding these scriptures, says this In contrast, Gentiles worship dead gods of their own making, fashioned in the image of fallen creatures, and By large part, this is normally made after our own images. As they would most often make images of themselves with their own characteristics, their own personification. Or they would make images of an elephant, a snake, a serpent. Other images which are not truly useful. He goes on to say, "...Fashioned in the image of the fallen creature... And the idol worshiper becomes like the idol, spiritually useless. You see, we become like what we worship. We become like what we worship. So we need to look to our lives then and think, what are we worshiping? What are we holding as praiseworthy? And is that really worthy of our praise? Do you want to become more like that? Do you want to become more like this? Or do you want to be more like you want to become more like God. The one we truly worship on high, summa cum laude, is who we're going to become more like. And Israel's God is in heaven. He is the creator, He is a spirit. Man did not make Him. The gods of the heathen, on the other hand, on the non believers of God, well, they're made out of silver and gold, earthly things. They're the work of men's hands. And notice the differences once again they can't smell. They can't walk, they can't talk, they can't hear, they can't even think. They can't do a thing. They are useless. But when we compare that to our God, the one true God, the God of Israel, we see just how useful He is. We can look back to all of our Bible knowledge and see all of His wonderful works, miraculous works since the beginning of creation, in creation, in the miracles of God's Word, and specifically since this psalm is a Passover song or psalm they used to celebrate the Passover, we can also look to the miracles of the plagues in God rescuing his people from Pharaoh's false gods. We can look back to the Bible knowledge of God working through Moses with the plagues in Egypt, and we can see how useless Pharaoh's gods are in comparison to the one true God, our God. Is that your God? Who is your God? What do you idolize? Because God, this God, the one true God of the Bible, is the God that you should be worshiping, the God that you should be praising every day of your life. Therefore, we see this once again. God is praiseworthy, and all glory will be and should be given to him, for he is opposite of the false gods of history and today. And as we look to the rest of this psalm, we see that major thing that God is trustworthy. Looking back down to your Bibles, we see this. Verse 9 through 11. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You you who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So number one of this sermon is this. God is praiseworthy. Why? Because he is trustworthy. Now, it's very hard to come up with these numbers because we've already said a lot of numbers. I mean, you could have made your own list of probably 30 different reasons by now of why God is praiseworthy. If I try to find these points directly from the scripture here in front of you. And this is pretty obvious. All you Israelites trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So number one, God is praiseworthy for he is trustworthy. He is dependable. And we see this three times told to us again. All you Israelites trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. They are told, we are told. To trust in the Lord and use Him as a help. Use Him as a shield. Now throughout time, the Israelites and us have not or did not trust God as we truly should. And there's days, there's times where we still do not truly trust God as we should. And yet, who are we to think we don't need help? Who are we to think we do not need a shield? We all need help. And in this fallen world, we all need a shield. We are helpless. We are hopeless people without the help and the shield of the Lord. We all need him, and the sooner we truly trust him, the better off we'll be. The enemy is always shooting arrows at us. He's always trying to throw us down. He's always trying to separate our families, to separate our marriages, to separate our friendships. He's trying to do anything he can to separate us from God and His intended purposes for our life. We must allow God to be our help and our shield, truly, truly trust in Him. Oh, how I love talking with retired pastors and missionaries and just people who truly have found this true trust in God. I'd like to say that I always, always, always truly trust in God to this extent. I was meeting for lunch with a couple retired missionaries not long ago when the question was brought up about finances. How are you doing financially, we asked them. We wanted to make sure that they had all that they needed. Their response was just God glorifying and enlightening and edifying to me and everybody around that table as they just said, you know what, we don't worry about such things. They said that they trust in God, and He will provide all that they need. God will provide all that they need, whether it be financially, whether it be with food or material possessions or anything else. They said, we have what we need, and if we do not have it, then we must not truly need it. Now, sometimes it's a case that we have not because we have asked not. But sometimes we also need to be reminded that if we've asked for it and God has yet to give it, then maybe it's because we don't really truly need it. Or maybe it's because God's not ready to give it to us because God has other plans for us. Maybe our, our principles aren't truly focused on him. Our priorities are not truly focused on him. Our wants and desires and prayers are not truly focused on him. Again, as we've said before, we're a me people. Me, 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 me and. Maybe our prayers are saying the same to him, that we just want our own desires. We want the desires of the world of what the world tells us is important to look successful. Instead of just focusing on what he knows we need, we look to the world to see what we need. We need to remember, God is to be praised. God is praiseworthy. And we need to depend on him. We need to trust him. So number one again was this, God is praiseworthy for he is trustworthy. We can trust in him. But number two is this. God is praiseworthy, for he remembers you. Now let's look to that Bible with that scripture in front of you once again. As it says this in verse 12, the Lord remembers us and he will bless us. He will bless his people of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. Not only does God remember you, but He is mindful of you. Depending on what translation you look to. He is mindful of you. And if you wanted to put a 2B up there, 2B is in Bravo, a second part of that, you could say, He remembers you and He blesses you. Let me tell you this. He will bless you. He will bless your friends. He will bless your house. Here, bless this church. Here, bless the universal church. Here, bless our communities. If only we turn to him. If only we truly turn to him and surrender our lives to him and recognize our need of a savior to be saved from our sins. This news is just so wonderful. The great blessing that he is mindful of us. I say let the floodgates of heaven open up and just receive these blessings. But please understand me, I'm not talking about the blessings of the prosperity gospel. It doesn't mean that since we turn our minds, we turn our lives to him, that we're all going to be rich, that we're all going to have every material possession what we need. No, we're going to be blessed, blessed by having a restored relationship with God. We're going to be blessed by having Christ and the Holy Spirit within our lives. We're going to be blessed by that very verse here that says he remembers you. He remembers you and blesses you as he is mindful of you. So let me remind you once again, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten me. God has not forgotten the community of Bloomer, Wisconsin, or the world for that matter. We have forgotten him. We've forgotten him. He knows exactly who all of us are. And we must come back to him and recognize that he alone is truly praiseworthy. God is truly the sum, summa cum laude praiseworthy God. He is above distinction, above everything else, and we must give it all to him. You see, I've been on airplanes and looked down into cities, neighborhoods, and thought of the thousands of people below. Wow. Maybe you've been there, you've been on airplanes, you look out the window. As I saw one commentator talking about this, it just made me think about these memories of these cities below and seeing all these little houses and these people, we just look like ants. We can't think of anything but, wow, there must be a lot of people down there. But as God looks down on all of us, all of His creation, all of His people, He knows them all by name. You may be a number in your workplace, you may be a number in society, but you're, just, you're not just a number to God. You're valuable. You're a, one, a wonderful creation and in his eyes. And he knows you all by name. He is praiseworthy for he is trustworthy. And he remembers you at all times. And he blesses you at all times by being mindful of you. Next we see number three as we go on. As we see God is praiseworthy for he is the creator. Verse 15, may you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. That's our our commitment to God. That's our challenge. That's our calling. With our lives, as we're living on this earth, as we're breathing his air, as we're enjoying his provisions, our calling is to see him as praiseworthy, to glorify him with all we have. Those who know him will bless him from this time forth and forevermore. You see, many of us have struggles, we have hangups, we have tensions, we have problems in our lives. And one of the best remedies for all of these things is to open up our hearts to God and praise Him. And allow our troubles to be seen smaller and smaller and smaller as we see the great God that we have. Remember this psalm. Remember the mighty works of God. Remember that He is trustworthy. Remember that He is mindful of you. He remembers you. And we, just like the Egyptians or the Gentiles of days past, may make idols to comfort us We may may make and look to many other things to distract us from this life, but may we remember that there's high praise, there's higher praise, and there's highest praise. Only God should be getting the highest praise. You see, there's the idols that man creates, but man must carry them on his back and care for them. They can't walk, they can't talk, they can't hear, they can't think. But the great I Am of the Bible... The one true God says to man, I am the Lord and I will carry you. That's powerful, isn't it? The things of this world we must carry, we must hold on to. But the God of the Bible, the one true God says, I will carry you. I will hold on to you. I will help you. We must just cry out to him and trust in him, turn to him. Does God carry you? Or are you trying to carry him? Because if you think you must carry him then this is another idol in your life, a false idol, because that's not who God is. God does not need to be carried. God needs to be praised. God is praiseworthy. So don't carry him, praise him. Charles Spurgeon writes this, God be the glory should always be the preacher's motto. But actually, to God be the glory should be every believer's motto. Reverend Spurgeon explains, Though the dead cannot... The wicked will not, and the careless do not praise God. Yet we will shout hallelujah forever and ever. Hallelujah forever and ever. To God be the glory. Psalm 115, once again, our focus of today, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. So number four, this should say, Lastly, we go back to the beginning. As we see this from Psalm 115. God is praiseworthy for he is faithful and he is loving to you. And as I was was meditating on this psalm, as I was preaching this, as I was writing this, as I was allowing God to lead me, I just thought of a couple old hymns. One, a great hymn, Trust and Obey. We must trust and obey God. Trust and obey. And remember, he is praiseworthy for His he is trustworthy. He is praiseworthy for he remembers you. But then there was this second hymn, which I thought I'd read the lyrics to you. I actually thought we'd sing it together in closing, but then I thought I don't have anybody to lead me up here. But then I thought maybe I'd ask Sue Carlson or Dwayne Fossum or one of these great singers to come up, but it's this. To God be the glory. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life a redemption to win, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. It goes on in verse 2, O oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. O oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. And it ends with this. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer the higher, and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. When Jesus we see. Praise the Lord. As the Tanner and Carrie come up to finish our, us in song, let's just close our eyes, and let's pray to God as we close the sermon. Lord, we thank you. For your word, as it always, always, always glorifies you. All of creation declares your glory. And Lord, we worship you this morning. We worship you. Thank you for giving us your word. May it glorify you as we know it will. May it edify us, bring us up, grow us in our knowledge of you, and may the lost be found. Lord, may we see you as praiseworthy each and every single single day of our lives. And may we continue to turn to you. Lord, may we remember those words, not to us, Lord, no, not to us, but to you be the glory forever and ever.